the Lord Jesus Christ as well, we can see that he is in the psalm. He also went from being the honored one, riding on the colt. Uh, everyone was praising him with the palm branches and even putting the coats down in front of him. And a week later, he was hanging on a cross and people were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. The people turned his honor into shame. And as we are the people of Jesus Christ, we, we know what it means to be honored in Christ as our king, but also to be put to shame because of that. But we also can see in this psalm the, the other side a little bit, how when we have the honored king, Jesus Christ, the anointed king, where we as God's people don't always see him as honored king. We are the rebellious ones. We are the ones who turn away from him. We have to fight that tendency to turn his honor into shame. And it is in this context that the Lord comes and he comes with a promise. It says, we read that also in, in the verse, um, verse 3, the Lord has set the, apart the godly for himself. He treats the godly with special honor. And in that context, we see the restlessness, the restlessness of his enemies and the joyful peace of his children. So the psalm begins with a situation of distress. The original language behind uh, Psalm 4 that we read, it's, it's Hebrew, and it uses lots of pictures to describe a, a word. And the word distress, it, it's described by the picture of someone finding himself in a, in a very tight position. Everybody is pressing around beside him. He doesn't have space. And then when the Lord brings relief, you read about relief, that the picture is of someone who, who finds open spaces. So from a situation of being pressed in from every side, the Lord grants relief. He gives you breathing space. And we can see that this relief that the Lord gives, is, is even in the psalm, is not a, a long-term relief, but it's a moment when Christ in his suffering, when he was pressed upon, he, he also had a moment to, to look around, to see what was happening to him. And it's in this moment that the psalmist speaks, that the church speaks, that Christ and his church speak, as they have a moment to look around to see what's happening to them, what's, what's being done, planning to do what's next. And as we look at the psalm, we see then there's, there is a conflict. There's a conflict between the anointed one, the anointed king, the, all the, those who are anointed in Christ, and then the people who are opposed to the anointed one who reject them. And you can see that these people who turn away from the anointed king, who, who also believe the lies about God's covenant and or God's church and congregation, that they are still offering sacrifices. You can see that in verse 5. They weren't offering right sacrifices, but they were offering sacrifices. And so we have a clear picture of the, the context. We have people rejecting the anointed king, David. You could think today of, of those who reject Christ, those who also believe the lies about the church. It causes a, a time of distress, pressure coming around. It's very unpleasant. And the Lord gives some breathing space. And the psalmist of church, Christ, he, he looks and, and he says, what's, what's happening? I see these enemies 
who are pretending to offer right sacrifices, but they aren't serving the well-being of the church. And then unlike so many psalms that we read, Psalm 4 doesn't say, Lord, destroy those enemies, break their teeth, smash them down. But in Psalm 4, we see the church looking to those enemies, those who are opposed to them, and showing compassion. All the imperatives in the psalm are calling those who are opposing the anointed one, calling them to repentance, calling them to see what they are doing. It's like we could see in the text as we walked into church this morning, Matthew 5, verses 44 to 45, the Lord is showing compassion both to the righteous and to the good. He, he calls his people to see what they're doing. It's a warning. You can see that in verse 2. How long will you continue to delude yourself with lies? As we see people oppose Jesus Christ and his church, and, and even as we see that in ourselves, that's the question. Do you realize that you're living a lie? Do you realize that there is one anointed king, Jesus Christ? We all must submit to him when we oppose him. It just, it's not the truth. You've been deluded. The lies have taken over. And as church, we have to warn one another that you cannot set yourself up against Jesus Christ and survive. The church is not as small as you think it is. You better watch out. You think you are just setting yourself up against a king like King David or even the weak Jesus Christ who in his human flesh was nothing to look at. The church looks pretty small in this world, but you better watch out. You're setting yourself up against the covenant God, the creator of heaven and earth. You think you're seeing a little baby cub. Looks cute, it looks, doesn't look very dangerous. You know how it is in the, in the wild. and Just a little baby bear cub. You think it's easy, it's not a big deal. But you better watch out because behind the little baby cub is the mama bear. The mama bear is together with the baby cub. How long will you be living in these lies? How long will you set yourself up against Christ, against his church? The warning comes to God's people. We see Psalm 4 is very compassionate in giving this warning. And it gives instruction, be angry and do not sin. And you'll notice that the word angry can mean agitated. Your resistance to God will create, make you feel restless, make you feel agitated. Think about why you feel uncomfortable when you oppose Christ. The Spirit is, is working in your hearts. Ponder in your hearts. On your beds, be silent. Think about what you are doing. Resist the urge to speak lies against the Lord and against His church. Christ urges those who want to, to take away his glory with hypocritical lives and lies. He says, offer right sacrifices. There is a way back in right sacrifices. The people who oppose the anointed king, they say in verse 6, who can show us some good? It's, it's a restless, unhappy, discontent life. 
So how do we respond when we see this in ourselves, when we see this around us? Well, there's a joyful message in Psalm 4 as well. We, we can see that as God's people, the Lord Jesus Christ saw this as well when he was being pressed from either side, every side. He, he lifted up his eyes and he looked to the Lord in heaven. The church can do that too when we feel that we are being misrepresented, when we are being pushed down, we try to be honorable, but we're treated very poorly. We can know that we can look to the covenant God. He's called the God of my righteousness, my righteous God. And righteous here means that God is faithful to his covenant. It's not just a morally pure picture of being morally pure, but it means God is faithful to what he says. He gave a promise. He will keep that promise. He is righteous. And so we as God's people can look to him and he will answer. We can call out to him and he will hear our cry. And he urges each one of us to let his word then sink deeply into our hearts. Be agitated. Yes, be angry. Be angry with sin. Be angry with what you see. Ponder it. Be silent and submit to your covenant God in repentance. Speaks of sacrifices. They're revelation. Sacrifices were a revelation of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. And all that we receive as a benefit of our fellowship with Christ, we can already read about in the Old Testament sacrifices. The Old Testament believer wasn't just putting animals on an altar. But as he offered a sacrifice, he was, he was humbling himself before God in confession and repentance. He was saying, look at what my sins deserve, my sins. He was confessing his guilt. He was looking in hope to the perfect sacrifice of the great Son of God, Jesus Christ. In the burnt offerings, he was saying, I dedicate my whole life to the kingdom of God. Thanking God for his gracious provision. They were called grain offerings. And he celebrated fellowship offerings. That means being together with other believers. And so when God says, offer right sacrifices, he's speaking also to us in the church who, are, who have embraced the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ in which we find our repentance, our, our confession, our repentance, our renewal of life, our dedication of our life to God. The Lord says, be sincere in your worship. Receive all the benefits you have in Jesus Christ. Psalm 4, we could say in, that, in, in, in the command to God's people, God was anticipating from the other side of the cross what we may celebrate today in the Lord's Supper. The Lord is telling us to embrace the full meaning of Christ's sacrifice, to embrace all the privileges that we have in Jesus Christ, in which we are assured of his love and his faithfulness. That is the, the gospel, isn't it? Christ Jesus gave his life for us. He gave his life for us to pay for all our sins, even those sins when we Oppose him as anointed king. So he looks at us in his mercy. And he says, 
Let your sins agitate you, anger you, think about them, repent, and then look to Jesus Christ, sacrifice. You want to find some good? Verse 6, he prays, let the light, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Lift up the light of your face upon us. That's the blessing of Aaron. Aaron put that blessing on his people. And when he lifts up his face upon us, when his, the light of his face shines upon us, that means he looks at us with favor. He gives us his blessing. He smiles upon us, his people. He smiles upon us in Christ Jesus. And his goodness and his light, they fill our hearts, they fill our lives. They, they overwhelm us because they show the grace of God to undeserving sinners. Do you want to dwell in this safety, this joy? Do you want to experience that peace with God Almighty? Do you want to see some good in your life? Our Lord Jesus Christ, as he walked on this earth, he did so in perfect peace. The presence of his almighty and heavenly Father. He was set apart because of his perfect sacrifices. The light of his Father's face shone upon him, filled him with joy and peace. Inasmuch as you are in Christ, as much as you have fellowship, union with Christ, you can experience that nearness also as you partake of the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper. That favor, that light, that grace of our Heavenly Father also enters your life, also fills your life with peaceful joy. Our good is found in Christ, and it's better in Him than when their grain and new wine abound. They have all the comforts of this life, but they are temporary. When we have Christ, His light fills our hearts with peaceful joy. And so we too feel sorry for those who fight against Jesus Christ, the anointed King. We have compassion on those who are believing the lies, who will not submit to Jesus Christ. And like Psalm 4, we, we also shout out, no, not that way. There's no hope. There's no joy. There's no good. Come. Come and see. Come and taste our Lord Jesus Christ. Let the light of God's face shine upon you. He makes you dwell in safety. Amen.